actually recording this uh, Sunday night. It's uh, Monday night football's on in the background. Don't you love that? Sunday's in the fall, the day off, football. Nothing going on. Well, maybe you got stuff going on. I'm not married. Uh, wasn't on purpose, but uh, I tell you, right now I'm uh, I'm liking I'm liking my freedom. I'm liking uh, you know not being told what to do by anybody. <laughs> you know, I like my weekends not being filled up with uh, uh, you know uh, birthday parties and uh, you know nonsense like that. You know. Nobody's telling me I can't watch football. Nobody's telling me I can't suck back a few beers, you know, smoke a cigar. You know, it's nice. Just try it out sometime. It's pretty cool. All right, so welcome to the podcast. Again, this is Views from the John, and I am your host, John. And, uh, yeah, podcast number three, Time Flies. So, first thing I want to talk about is a news story that just came across the news desk here. This just in. So listen to this. A 72-year-old Dallas guy fatally shot a burglar. Then he went back to bed. (laughs) And then I guess, you know, once he felt like he had had enough sleep, he decided, eh, now I'll make the call to the police department and tell, and tell them I just sh- fatally shot somebody. Oh my god, this, this can't be real. So this is the story. A 72-year-old Dallas man fatally shot a suspected burglar outside of his home, authorities said, and then went back to sleep before calling police. <laughs> James Michael Meyer. That just sounds like a uh, James Michael Meyer. You know what's throwing me off is the Michael Meyer, the Halloween. Isn't he, uh, Michael Myers, uh, Jason, right? With the mask? So James Michael Meyer reported a home invasion after finding the man's body early Thursday, according to an arrest warrant affidavit obtained by the Dallas Morning News. His wife also contacted a lawyer to ask for advice before he called 911, the affidavit said. Well, he's really got his ducks in a row, huh? He must be watching all those uh, commercials, you know, the first 48 and stuff, right? I mean, this guy had the balls to uh, shoot somebody with a shotgun to death, (laughs) you know? And then he just goes back to bed like nothing happens, and... Then he consults a lawyer before even calling 911. So he told police he saw someone trying to break into his storage shed around 5 o'clock in the morning after hearing a noise outside. He then grabbed his gun, went outside, and he yelled that he would shoot if the person came closer. And the person took several steps toward him, and so he fired his gun. And the burglar dropped his pickaxe. They had a pickaxe? What is he, a miner? Is he building a railroad or something? A pickaxe? Like a... Like what the miners used to swing, right? Right? When they're building the railroads? Like, this guy using a giant pickaxe? To break into a shed? Jeez, if some guy had a pickaxe in his hand coming towards me in my yard while I told him to stop and I'm holding a gun, I, I, I can't say I wouldn't have not shot either. What are you supposed to do? Go back inside and hide? Hope he doesn't break your door in before the police get there to save you? So anyways, so he told the guy to stop or else he'd shoot, but the guy didn't stop. He started, you know, going towards him with his pickaxe in his hand, so he fired at him. Then the burglar dropped his pickaxe, and he ran towards a nearby park. And then the guy fired another shot, quote, into the night, in that general direction. That probably wasn't smart. You're just going to shoot into the night, in the general direction the guy ran? What if that shot had killed somebody innocent? See, these are the morals of the story, you know? It's... 
it's your Second Amendment right to have a gun and to, uh, well, as long as you're sane, and to protect your house. But at the same time, you really got to think, I mean, this guy thought enough to go back to bed after he shot the guy. And then he had enough wherewithal to consult a lawyer before he even called 911 to report that he had shot somebody. But he didn't have enough wherewithal, I guess, to not shoot just into the general night into the direction the guy ran, you know? What if there would somebody been jogging or something? So, I don't know. Alright, so he fired another shot, quote, into the night. And then investigators wrote that the suspected burglar posed no threat of serious bodily injury once he ran off, based on Meyer's account. Allegedly, not knowing whether he shot anyone, Meyer told police, he went back to bed. What do you mean, allegedly, he didn't know? The guy, he told the guy to stop. He was outside, confronting the guy. The guy was by his shed with a pickaxe. He told him to stop or he'd shoot. Then the guy started walking towards him. So he shot him, and then the guy dropped the pickaxe after he was shot, and he started running away, and then he shot at him again. But then he's telling police here that he didn't know he, he shot anybody. That's why he went back to bed. Oh, that's a bullshit story. So he shot the guy around 5 a.m., and it says he got up around 7. So he went back to bed for two hours, you know? It's important. <laughs> and then he told police he thought he saw a, quote, black bag in the park. It turned out to be the man's body, according to the affidavit. Meyer then told a 911 dispatcher that he was the victim of a crime and that medical help was needed. Online jails record have no information about an attorney to speak for Mr. Meyer, who was no longer in custody Sunday. Oh, so I guess he was taken into custody for shooting this guy. His bond was set at $150,000, so evidently the guy was arrested for shooting the guy that came on his property. And he was able to post a $150,000 bail bond. That's great. Well, that's a wild story, man. I mean, as if it isn't enough being confronted with a guy in your pickaxe in your backyard but you're holding a shotgun, and you're telling the guy not to come any closer, or you'll shoot him, and then he starts coming at you. What do you do? If that's the way it went down, the guy had every right to shoot, I guess, you know. Uh, man, that's a messed up situation. But, uh, yeah, I mean, to shoot somebody, and then just go back to bed... <laughs> That's the, uh, that's the funny part that I'm thinking of here. You know, you know, that was your first priority after you just woke up startled, you know, five in the morning. What's going on? What's going on? There's somebody outside? Let me go see, you know, goes out there. Hey, you with the pickaxe. Don't move or I'll shoot you. And the guy comes closer to you and you shoot him. And you're like, all right, eh. You know, like you just took out the garbage or something, or just, you know, the cat was, the cat or the dog was scratching, and you let him in, you know, and then you just went back to bed, and you dealt with it, you deal with it in the morning. My God. Priorities, man, right? This guy prioritized sleep over reporting a, uh, a shooting. <laughs> Crazy. Anyways, how are you? You having a good Monday morning? Are you, uh, driving into work, driving home from work? Don't you love working Mondays, man? Especially when you have the weekends off. You know? You look forward to that Friday all week. Then it gets here, and then in a blink of an eye, it's just gone. And now you're sitting there, Sunday night, just dreading the work day. Man, I hate, I, 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 I've had that feeling way too many times in my life. That's why I'm trying to, trying to be a podcaster and a comedian, and a motivational speaker, or whatever the hell I'm doing here. But, uh, yeah, waking up on a Monday morning, driving down that 20-lane highway, like everybody else, living Groundhog Day over and over again, going to the same miserable job over and over again, 
talk some new TV. Obviously, it's the fall. Uh, you know, they wait till the fall to release all the new TV shows. I know there's a ton out there. I don't know how anybody, unless you literally just watch TV day and night, can keep up with every show that's out there. But these are the ones I've stumbled upon that I wasn't really meaning to stumble upon. The first one is Emergence. Anyone seen Emergence? Premiered uh, last week, ABC. That's right up my alley. I think that show is awesome. Uh, that pilot really sucked me in. Uh, I thought the story was great. The acting was great. <clears throat> Excuse me. I understand that the uh, storyline is a little bit cliche, I guess. It's been done before, but I think the way they're doing it and just how it's being produced, how it's being acted, how it's, you know, the storytelling, I think it's top-notch. Um, and to be honest, you know, I love that kind of science fiction-y kind of government black project because I totally believe that kind of stuff goes on. And uh, the more you hear me and the more I do podcasting and the more you get to know me, you'll discover that I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge conspiracy theorist type guy. You know, I'm not like, uh, what is it, Mel Gibson. Remember that movie? I was like back in the early 90s. He played some conspiracy guy where he was a total freak. He literally thought everything was a conspiracy. I'm not that guy. But I'm also not naive enough to think that uh, our government, or any government, is just one of the most corrupt, you know, entities in the, you know, that exists. You think they're telling us everything? Let me give you a prime example, just really quick off the top of my head, because I'm also a aviation, uh, really into aviation, and uh, it's fascinating. If you've ever heard of the uh, the stealth fighter, you know, it's that almost like Star Wars looking thing that's completely invisible to radar. It's the F-15. If you don't know what it is, look it up. If you're not in the jets. But it's the F-117 stealth fighter. Now this is a uh, completely stealth, meaning that radar cannot pick it up. Enemy radar cannot see this thing. Uh, it's a completely stealth aircraft. And we still use that aircraft to this day. And still radar can't pick it up. We developed that plane in the 1960s into the early 70s, that plane was operational. Uh, what did they say? That plane was operational from 19, I think, 78 to 88. It was operational for 10 years defending America and, you know, fighting the good fight, I guess, if you want to call it, without anyone knowing it. Nobody knew. And that was a jet that made noise and stuff like that. So... Just think about technology and think about the Freedom of Information Act since it's happened and all the top secret documents that have been leaked from the government. The government has a UFO program. They've been studying them. They acknowledge they exist. They do. You see that Tic Tac UFO all over the news? That was a few years ago. Then that uh, aircraft carrier, the USS Nimitz, they're, you know, pilots are generally concerned in the military, uh, especially the Air Force pilots, or, or no, Navy, I think it is, um, because these, these craft are defying what we know about propulsion and how, you know, things can move. It's defying the law of physics, these craft are. They've been around for a long time, and I guess they're coming increasingly close to colliding with our fighter jets. They're literally following battle carrier groups around. And it was long suspected, I think I might have got into this in the last podcast, but it was long suspected that, you know, I guess we thought it was the Russians with these things and then the Russians thought it was us, but I think we came to the conclusion a long time ago that uh, these things flying around are, are not us. I think now it's a mix of us. I believe we have that technology. Whatever this silent propulsion technology is where we don't have any wings on a plane and it runs silently and it goes incredibly fast and stuff like that. I believe those UFOs or whatever are, I, I hate to say alien, but another intelligence, something is flying those things around. And they're capable of just insane speed, 
you know, defying everything we know about propulsion, about physics, and that kind of stuff. And it's fascinating. And the government has come forward to this point and admitted it. So there you go. And that's the craziest thing about it, is, you know, this whole Area 51 raid and stuff like that. Do you see about that? What was it, up to like 2 million people on Facebook said they were going to go, and like 22 people showed up? <laughs> what a boss dude. Did anybody seriously think that anybody was going to have any success actually breaking into Area 51? I have an Area 51 video on my YouTube channel, and uh, that's not what I intended this channel to be. And I know the video is super long and repetitive. It was literally the first vi uh, video I ever edited with this new software I'm still learning. But uh, that's real footage. That That's not CGI. Those are actual two craft in that, uh, in that video I got from my uh, YouTube channel. That is two real craft that are unidentified, that have no wings, that are humming about, what, 800 feet off the desert floor, going like three, four, five, six thousand miles an hour silently. They're being spotted everywhere now, and they have for years and years. These things are real, people. Whether you want to get scared about it or excited about it is up to you, but that's the truth. And that's part of why my production company is called Reality Drip. You know, think of an I, like an IV drip. You know, my comedy, this podcast, the show, it's all going to be real talk, you know, reality, at least reality to me. Hopefully it's all reality to you. But that's another thing about reality and about the state of the world and the state of your life. You know, perception is reality. If you want to perceive the world as being crazy and nutty and out of control, then it is. But you know what, I try to look for the positivity and the light and the, uh, you know, the silver lining on a cloud. You know, what good is negativity, man? You know, I can't help but be negative sometimes just because uh, stupidity and uh, lack of common sense uh, when it comes to pretty much anything will enrage me. Um, especially bad drivers, and that's a whole nother thing that we're going to get into is driving. Driving in 2019 is inherently more difficult across this country than it used to be. And uh, we're going to talk a lot about the uh, why and just how silly it's become. And maybe somebody out there can answer the question for me. But I'm going to point out some pretty silly things that uh, a lot of you seem to be doing. And I just don't understand it. I'm hoping that somebody out there can explain it. But, uh, I got, I'm getting, kind of getting sidetracked here. But anyways, um, got, got to rope myself back in here. I went way left, didn't I, John? Alright, so yeah, we were talking about, uh, new TV shows, uh, we were talking about, uh, UFO videos, um, god damn, oh, well, I, I guess it wasn't that important. But, uh, yeah, uh, Emergence, that new show, it's on ABC, and, uh, something crashed in a little town that wasn't supposed to crash, and, uh, you know, the government comes in and sweeps it up real quick, and, you know, that kind of stuff happens, and fortunately, uh, the way they're filming this, they're not filming it as though, uh, you know, some shows act where everyone doesn't, you know, everyone doesn't act like uh, real people would act in that given situation. What I like about this show is the acting is done as though I think real people would act if this really were to take place, you know, they're not being just overly naive, which seems to happen in like every horror movie, you know, where somebody does the dumbest thing as opposed to doing the smartest thing, you know, that's, that, I'm a huge fan of horror movies, but that's always been what's ruined it. To me, there's only been a couple good horror movies that have ever existed. And why? Because Hollywood producers, still to this day, and if anyone ever listens to this that's a Hollywood producer that produces horror movies, I'm not quite at that level yet. <laughs> but in order to make a movie scary, you don't have to pick necessarily a scary topic. Just a 
kind of a freaky topic that could happen, but the key to making the movie good is having everybody in the movie, everybody, act as though people would really act if this really did happen. But, you know, look at any horror movie. You know, people are running out this door, running into the closet when they should just be picking up the phone, you know. The police take an hour to get there, or the police, you know, you'll call the police up and say there's somebody chasing me, and they'll be like, ha, 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 yeah, right. Dude, you could call up the police department and say Santa Claus has a, you know, is coming down your chimney, and they're going to respond to your house, you know. But how many movies have you seen where they've called the police for help, and they'll be like, you know, you're, you know, you're crazy. That doesn't happen. I mean, if you want to make a horror movie, like, or even a suspenseful movie, or any movie for that matter, uh, really resonate with an audience, have the people in the movie act like real people would act in a situation. But when you make them just blatantly stupid, you know, I mean, there's always a blatantly stupid guy, but, you know, why is the blatantly stupid guy always in the horror movie? Why they always run in the wrong direction, you know? So, yeah. I'm still waiting for that movie that comes out that really deals with a horror topic and it really has the people in the movie act as though people would really act if that thing was happening. And I'll name a few movies that come close, okay? The Exorcist, 1973 classic. I watch that movie to this day and I'm like just horrified over it. And this is 2019, you know? That came out in 1973. I don't know how far ahead of its time that movie was. That came out five years before I was born. I cannot imagine back then seeing something that just up in your face. But that's what's great about the movie, you know? Supposedly with any true possession, if you believe in that kind of stuff, it's a very slow progression. And exactly as it happens to Reagan in that movie is how it happens. You notice how the mother didn't act naive. You know, everybody thought it was something medical. But they exhausted every medical possibility. And then they're like, you know, what else is there? And then stuff started happening that you couldn't pin on the girl being sick. You know, somebody being sick with meningitis or they're, you know, they've gone crazy. I don't think they have the ability to make objects move in a room or float or have their head twist around and vomit pea soup, right? But, uh, you know, what I like about that movie is, you know, I think it came pretty close, pretty much everybody in that movie, to acting as though people would really act if they were confronted in that situation. Um... I think it gets done really well in uh, 28 Days Later, another one of my favorite horror movies. I truly believe that if there were a viral outbreak like they depict in that movie, that is exactly how it would be. It would be utter chaos, it would spread like wildfire, and that would be it. And there'd be just stragglers left battling, you know, zombies. But, you know, even that might seem like a far-fetched scenario to have, you know, a virus that turns you into a zombie, but how about just a virus? And the people that are left, like, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure the actors' names off the top of my head, but I remember the character, the guy was Jim. Remember that? Uh, Jim. Uh, God, I, I should know the guy's last name. Isn't his real name Jim? Kazaviesel? Kazaviesel? Something like that? Anyways, fantastic movie. But I thought everybody in that movie truly acted as though people would act um, after, you know, a recent kind of mass extinction event, you know, like a virus. And that's what made the movie resonate with me as being kind of freaky, because it was portrayed like, you know, a depiction of what could happen, rather than looking at a horror movie and being like, that could never happen because the people in it are just acting like nobody would, you know. So that's the key, people. Just be real, you know? The more real something is, and the more somebody can relate to it, you know, the better off you're going to be. If they can have that approach with movies, it's great. And there's a lot of great movies, but when it comes to, um, you know, the horror genre, uh, you know, like I said, Exorcist, 28 Days Later, um, Fire in the Sky, based on a true story, um, I don't think it 
happened as crazily as it happened uh, in terms of the way the uh, aliens were depicted and how scary that was, like in Travis Walton's real story. But uh, I thought it was a great movie. Um, with the exception of that over-the-top, you know, sheriff investigator that just refused to believe anything beyond what he could see, touch, hear, or smell, you know, that guy was a little over-the-top. You know, I think anybody in this day and age with that much evidence that those guys had that something happened, I mean, out of this world, literally, you know, that guy was just overly, just over the top, like, you know, just never believed them. Even when they passed polygraphs saying it happened. Even when Travis just reappeared out of nowhere after like five days of being gone, completely naked, with no memory, you know, all kinds of strange burns and marks on his neck and stuff, you know. All of them passed a polygraph. Every single one of them. Polygraphs are supposedly pretty much unbeatable. You know. Uh, and every one of those guys passed. They all saw a friggin' ship just hovering there in the friggin' woods. And this idiot got out of the truck and just walked up to it like he's out of the friggin' amusement park or something. Eh, look at the ship, you know. Who would do that, you know? If I ever met Travis Walton, I think that's what I would do, just because that's just my personality, you know? I wouldn't want to know what the inside of the ship looked like or, you know, how many times the aliens, uh, you know, touched his private parts or something. I would want to know what possessed this dude, you know? You're just driving through the woods and you come across a friggin' spaceship and you get out and walk up to it like you're walking up to a, you know, like a, you know, like a drive through window or something, you know? You see his face and, you know? I mean, I don't know. Maybe... It may have not been as dumb as the movie kind of, you know, made him seem to be in that moment. But, you know, he wanted to stop. Mike, his buddy, stopped. And then the dude got out and literally walked up to it. You know? I mean, who but Travis Walton, I think, would do that? Are you really going to get your ass out of a car if you see a fucking UFO floating there? I'm not. My ass is pressing that gas pedal down, and I ain't looking back. And I'm probably shitting myself at the same time. I ain't never seen a UFO. I think it'd be fascinating. But, you know, it's one thing to see one streak across the sky real fast or whatever. That's cool. But if I come across some giant-ass UFO that's like 10 feet from me in the woods, I ain't going near that fucking thing, you know. What was this dude thinking, you know? I just don't get it. But, yeah. Emergence, brand new show. If you haven't seen it, watch it. I think you'll enjoy it. If you if you kind of like the Stranger Things type of type of vibe, you know the kind of mystery, the government kind of cover up supernatural powers, maybe some. Uh, who knows? I don't know where this is going, but it's it's in that realm, and it's really well done. And uh, I applaud them. I think I thought the acting, <coughs> excuse me, on you know from everybody on that show was just fantastic. Sorry, I had to take a sip of my tea here. Uh, yeah, um, South Park, brand new season, started up. Anyone watch that first episode? I tell you, man, nobody does it as good and as in your face as South Park when it comes just when it comes to just poking fun at what just seems like idiocracy. When it comes to social issues, politics, and, you know, as much as I do stay on social media, I actually didn't check to see if anybody screamed at, uh, at those guys for that episode, but I imagine they've heard it before. Uh, there's been more extreme episodes than that, but, uh, they did not disappoint, and, uh, I can, I can just... With the social justice warriors and, you know, out there in this cancel culture that want to cancel out, you know, comedy, whether it's a cartoon, a comedian, you know, anybody that wants to make light of the situation, you know, it's just ridiculous. But, uh, you know, South Park's been doing it 20, what, 23 seasons they've been around? I mean, it, uh, I'm telling you, I, you know, I really don't know how you can be a fan of comedy and not like South Park. Um... I don't know. I guess you could be a fan of comedy and be really left or right and not like it. I don't know. I keep saying left and right like I know what it means. 
Like, I honestly, God, I don't know if left means Democrat or left means Republican. I just know one is one way and one's the other, you know? I don't know why you want to subscribe to one rule of thought when it comes to uh, running something. We're going to do this the Democratic way or we're going to do this the Republican way. Can't we just do it the right way? Well, the right way is the Republican way. Well, some people say the Democratic way is the right way to do things. I don't know, man. That's why I just, I can't get involved in politics, because it just, politics, every single aspect of it is backwards, is corrupt, it doesn't make sense. And anybody that really sits down to think about it, you know, is just going to get worked up, so... Life's too short to get worked up, <laughs> except I get worked up about a lot, but alright. Anyways, yeah, South Park, uh, the new episode did not disappoint. Um, in case you didn't catch it, I'm, well, I'm not going to give away any spoilers, but in case you saw it, or got offended, or didn't get it, they were basically bringing the harsh reality of what, you know, I guess Trump is responsible for with, you know, segregating all these, uh, you know, families with the immigration and this wall he wanted to build and how it literally ripped away kids from their, you know, parents. And it just runs with it. It runs with the absurdity. Um, and one of the best quotes I've ever heard, and I'm not sure if this man that said this quote, it was somebody I used to work with when I was young, um, I'm not sure if he came up with this or he got it from somebody, but he said, just because I make light of a situation doesn't mean I take it lightly. And I love that quote, and I live by that quote, because I do try to make light of every situation, even when it's dark, because you gotta, because I've said it once and I'll say it again, the moment we lose our sense of humors, that's when we're done. You've got to be able to laugh at yourself. You cannot take life and yourself so seriously. I don't care who you are. You're not the most important thing in this world. You're not. You should love yourself. But if you're putting yourself before everybody else and you're always thinking about yourself, that's not cool. You know? But, uh... Yeah, man. South Park. Great episode. Great episode. Great point. Um, fantastic. Uh, what else? What else did I watch? That's it for new shows, man. That's all I've watched so far for new shows. Um, I've looked around. I haven't been on Netflix in a while, but I'm just honestly too busy to watch TV. I really am. I usually have it on in the background, just like I got Monday Night Football on right now. And, uh, that's it. But I'm not, I'm really not paying attention. Um, you know, I'm too busy out living life to be watching TV, but occasionally I'll try to catch up on some stuff, but that's what I've seen lately. What I've seen lately is Emergence, South Park, the new season, uh, the new season of Crank Yankers, uh, watch that one, huge fan of Crank Yankers, and all the comedians that are attached to that show, Tracy Morgan, Adam Carolla, all those guys, uh, brilliant, I love that they brought Crank Yankers back, I really do, uh, so yeah, Crank Yankers is back, Awesome new season. South Park is back. Uh, first episode was classic already. That new show, Emergence, is really good. And, uh, yeah, a lot of good comedy specials on Netflix. I'm sure Netflix has a bunch of new shows. I'm just, I'm just far behind. I can't. I can't keep up on it. I really can't. But <clears throat> one thing I wanted to, uh, <laughs> one thing I wanted to bring up, uh, I have a confession to make, people. I really do. I'm going to tell something pretty embarrassing about myself. And then I'm going to flip it. Okay? And here it is. And this kind of goes in, in line with what I was talking about yesterday. How you're going to have ignorant people everywhere, no matter what. We always have had ignorant people. But a lot of that ignorance is learned... It's a learned behavior. I don't think anyone is born ignorant. I think ignorance is a learned behavior. I think it starts with with your upbringing. It's, you know, 
and it's it's not somebody's fault necessarily. We can't be. Nobody chooses what family they're born into. You think if we had a choice, we would be born into poverty? Nobody would. We can't choose who our parents were. We can't choose where we grew up. We can't choose if we had a, a you know a dad and a mom around. We we didn't choose how rich or poor we were, what school we went to. You know, we were just all trying to survive, and that's just the thing. You know, uh, some people have had it easy, some people haven't. But uh, you know, one thing I've learned, man, and I tell you, it's just uh, you know, a lot of people are just uninformed and just react without knowing the whole story. And uh, you know, it, here's a perfect example. Okay. Um, and I'm sure somebody has brought this up before, but, you know, this is my own personal story about it, all right? Caitlyn Jenner, right? Caitlyn Jenner. Used to be Bruce Jenner, right? Bruce Jenner was a, uh, what, like, uh, a pro athlete, amazing athlete, right? Um, kind of before my time, I was born in 1978, and I believe, uh, you know, they were an athlete, uh, Olympic athlete in the 70s. Um, but, you know, I didn't start learning about uh, Bruce Jenner until Bruce Jenner decided that Bruce Jenner wanted to become Caitlyn Jenner. And then there was all this talk about what a hero she was for becoming a woman. And I know people must be pretty divided on that, you know. Uh, she was called a hero all over the place. And a lot of people took offense to that because they thought they were heroes. They didn't think that a, uh, that a man or, you know, a man wanting to become a woman was a uh, heroic thing to do, uh, you know. And I have to admit, I was kind of, uh, I was kind of with him, you know, uh, I forget where it was, but, you know, again, South Park referenced this the other night. There was a South Park episode that referenced this. There was some award show, it might have, I don't know what it was, but I think they had honored Caitlin or something after she had had her change, and uh, Brett Favre was in the audience, and I guess they called her a hero or whatever, and Brett Favre was given one of these, you know, half-ass claps, like, yeah, right, you know, and then I guess he got chastised for that, because he didn't think that she was a hero, and then, you know, South Park literally devoted a whole episode, uh, you know, Stan, uh, Stan says, no, sorry, that is not a heroic thing, and then in the end, he finally admits that, you know, okay, you know, I gotta tell you, I was uninformed I'm a comedian, I'm a straight man, I'm an idiot, you know, when I hear that a man wants to become a woman at age 50 or 60, and they want to go through with the, with the whole, you know, I'm a pretty progressive thinker, bro, but, you know, that's just a stretch for me, so, but hey, you know, to each his own, if you want to do that with your body, that's your life, that's none of my business. It's none of my business. But, you know, don't expect me to put her on a pedestal and call her a hero for doing that. Because, let's be super, super honest for a second. That, 50, 100 years ago, if you had started talking about how you wanted to turn yourself into a woman and cut off your ding-dong, you'd probably be put into a mental institution. But hey, we live in real progressive times, right? If, they, if you want to be a woman, you can be a woman. You want to be a man, you can be a man. You can identify in this country as anything you want, my friend. That is America. That is the freedom that you have in this country. To where it doesn't matter what gender you were born with, 
you can identify as whatever you want. And that's totally cool. You know, but uh, I'll be honest, I didn't think, uh, I really didn't think that somebody turning themselves into a woman was a heroic thing to do. Because uninformed kind of logic would dictate that doing that is not a really heroic thing to do, you know? Pictures of heroism is, you know, running into a burning, uh, you know, building, right? Running to somebody's aid, you know? Dropping your camera when somebody isn't help. You ever seen that? Like, everyone's got their camera out now when somebody's, like, struggling while nobody's helping, just everyone's just filming it, you know? That ain't me. That happened to me uh, not too long ago, not to change subjects here, but some, I was, uh, forget it, I'll tell that story in a minute, I'm getting ahead of myself, but anyways, the whole point in this, so I can move on, is that I will admit now that heroism comes in all different forms. Uh, he started off a public figure, then in the public's eyes, at a late age, despite all the criticism, chose to come out, change sexes. I'm going to cave. That was heroic. It was. That took guts. That took guts. It really did. It took guts. We can laugh at it all we want, as silly as some people might think it is. But to have the courage to be a public figure and to be at that age and decide that you want to do that and go ahead with it and face the criticism. All right, I'm going to cave. Caitlyn Jenner is a hero, okay? You heard it from me. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not joking about that. I mean, I, that took courage. And I think courage is, you know, tied in with heroism. So, you heard it here first, folks, okay? I know I'm way behind the times on the whole Caitlyn Jenner thing, but uh, Caitlyn Jenner's a hero, all right? <laughs> you heard it here first. But yeah, let me get back to that uh, that other story I was going to tell, which I'm now forgetting, of course. Um, where the hell was I going with that? Ah, Christ, I can't. You know, this is great. This is great. See, this is my mind. This is my mind late at night, right? Can't think straight. Thinking about the work day tomorrow. <laughs> you know? Wonder if my fantasy team is losing. Oh, speaking of that, I don't know if anybody plays fantasy sports. I won my fantasy baseball league. Even though it was for no money. But uh, it was a 10-team league, and uh, I won last year. I won this year. Pretty cool. But uh, that's the thing with fantasy baseball, or even fantasy football, or any fantasy thing. Um, it requires a little bit of knowing what you're doing, a little bit of research, but a lot of it is luck. You know? Because let's face it, you know, uh, it happened even today in the NFL. There were some major stars that uh, didn't end up having a great day uh, when they probably should have. Uh, first guy I can think of is Adam Thielen, uh, top what five ten wide receiver in the NFL. You know, but look who they played today, the Bears. But yeah, I think Thielen only had uh, uh, two or three catches, maybe for like fifteen, twenty, thirty yards. Yeah. And you know who I sat today? I've owned Jarvis. I owned Jarvis Landry all last year for all 17 weeks. I played him weeks one through 16, and he didn't do much. And then in week 17, I sat him in the championship game, and he went off. And then uh, I drafted him again this year. I said, "All right, Jarvis Landry is just too good. This is Baker Mayfield's second year in the league. He's going to be better." And now they got OBJ. I figured OBJ is going to draw double coverage. You know, Jarvis is out of the slot. He was sick with Miami. You know, Baker's second year, he's going to blow up. First three games, Baker's looked not that great. They were playing 
Baltimore in Baltimore, who's got a great defense. I thought it was just going to be a low-scoring defensive game. And what did what did Jarvis do? Jarvis had what? Uh, he had 167 yards. I, don't, I, I think he might have even had more than that all-purpose. No, actually, I, I think that pitch play that he had all that yardage for actually counted as a pass. So, yeah, I think he had like 160, 175 yards receiving today. Almost found the end zone. But they called him out of bounds right at the goal line. But um, it just goes to, I mean, I mean that is that is fantasy sports for you. So I've owned Jarvis Landry in my fantasy league for 21 straight games. And his two biggest games by far are just the two times I didn't start him out of 24. And that's what happens in fantasy sports. You know, you could draft the best team. But if that team and that collection of players on any given week doesn't have a good week, then, you know, that's just, just what happens. So, uh, you know, fantasy sports is like gambling. Sometimes you're going to win, sometimes you're going to lose, and uh, it can definitely become frustrating. That is for sure. But, uh, yeah, Caitlyn Jenner's a hero, I admit. I'll also admit that uh, that new show Emergence is really good. I'm really looking forward to this to that this week. Uh, tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. Yeah, tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. One of the only shows I watch, besides from Emergence now. Um, oh, of course I watched. You know, Family Guy. That's a given. You know, who doesn't like Family Guy? Family Guy. Rick and Morty, um, South Park, um, uh, the American Dad, damn it, and uh, F is for Family on Netflix, Bill Burr's uh, comedy, classic, classic. If you've never seen F is for Family. Check it out on Netflix. That's uh, that's Bill Burr's creation there, and he does the voice of the father, and it's basically loosely based on, uh, you know, pretty much all the writers on that show, including Bill's, you know, childhood growing up in the '70s. Um, and even I caught some of that being born in '78, being raised in the '80s. Uh, parenting back then was way, way different than it is today. Way different. Um, you know. Back then, it was commonplace to see a child spanked uh, anywhere you went. Nobody said a thing. Nowadays, if you were to smack a child because they were misbehaving, uh, the, you would have the police called on you in a second. But, you know, back then, it, it worked out, you know. Um, it, that's, again, another reason why I think South Park is brilliant. They had an episode recently where uh, they did a spoof on that. You know, it was about parenting nowadays, and uh, they had this remedy, and they put in this VCR tape that was, you know, supposedly from the, you know, olden times, the VCR tape, and it showed them how to parent, and, the, you know, there was like three kids that were crying and complaining, and, you know, a parent, or an adult went up to them and just kind of gave them a little tap, and they all straightened up, but they, you, you can't do that anymore, right? The times have changed. Now, I'm not saying I was beat as a kid, but there was definitely the threat of a strap, and it was just the threat of it. You know, and that whole, wait till your father gets home. That's all my mom had to say. When my mom said, wait till your father gets home, I knew I was in deep shit. I was scared. I used to, I, I used to even try to butter my dad up, too. You know, I knew when he got home from work, he used to like a, uh, what do they call them, a highball? That's an old name for that drink. Go up to a bartender next time you go to a bar and ask for a highball. They probably have no fucking clue what you're talking about. But a highball, I believe if you look it up in like a bartending dictionary, it'll say it's like any spirit, you know, like whatever, vodka or gin, rum, with some soda. But more literally, it was uh, just whiskey and coke, is what it was. 
not rum and coke, not captain and coke, whiskey and coke. Um, but yeah, that was his drink. Um, I can't remember what brand of whiskey it used to be. I think he liked Knob Creek, at least now. But uh, yeah, you know, when I knew I was in trouble, I would I would have a nice fat drink ready for my dad when he got home. But he knew, you know, he's walking home and there's a drink waiting for him. What did you do? <laughs> you know, why are you being extra nice? That's uh, you know, I did something. I did something wrong, Dad. You know, but it worked. It worked. You know, my dad, great dude, great dude, really, really great dude. And uh, you know, he didn't beat his kids, but there was always the threat of a possible little love tap, and that was all that was needed. And uh, it worked. They raised three great, successful kids, you know. Uh, and uh, I believe you can raise your kid that same style in this day and age and have a really good result. Because, like I talked about yesterday, if you are shielding your child in a bubble because you find the world repulsive and appalling, what is going to happen when you release them out to it? And I see it. I saw it recently um, on a TV show. Multiple people actually saw it because I talked to them about it. Uh, MasterChef. You know the show MasterChef? The season finale was a few weeks ago. Gordon Ramsay, Ron Sanchez, and uh, Joe Bostarelli, whatever the hell his name is. Um, you know, a bunch of home cooks compete for like 20 slots to get whittled down to one slot to become, you know, crowned the master chef. And then they get a trophy. I believe they publish their own cookbook for them. And they get like 250 grand. <clears throat> but of course they say on the show that they get a quarter of a million. Because let's face it, what sounds like more money? A quarter of a million? Or 250k, right? So, that show. This season, there was a young girl on the show. Uh, she looked like she was 19. So she was born in 2000. She's a millennial. And she was extremely sensitive on the show. Everything made her cry. If she got even a little bit of criticism, she would cry. She would literally break down and cry on national TV for even a little bit of criticism. And you could just tell, you know, nothing against her. But she was raised in probably a very affluent household where she was raised in a bubble where no matter how bad her breath might have stunk or how much she screwed up, everyone just always told her, you're great, you're beautiful, you're fine, you're perfect, you're great, you're beautiful, you're fine, you're perfect. And that does not prepare you for life. Kids have to kind of learn, you know. Kids are going to fall. Kids are going to get into stuff. You know, it's, 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 it's scary as hell. I'm not a parent. I know people who are parents. I get it. When you have a kid, you freak out. Especially when you just got one and you're new. And I'm not even there yet. I wanted to be. But, you know, life didn't take me in that direction. And I'm fine with that. I can still have a kid up till I'm, what, 75, 80? Right? <clears throat> I don't go through menopause. So, uh, yeah, anyways. But, uh, you know, like I'm saying, you're really not doing kids any good by shielding them from this this life. You're really not. You just have to prepare them for it. And how do you prepare somebody to take on life in 2019? Just instill common sense in them with some street smarts. Don't hide television from them because there's street smarts and things to be learned from television, believe it or not. You know, you can read all the books you want about, you know, history or fiction. Great, you know, a lot about history. But what do you know about walking through, uh, you know, what do you know about walking down, uh, you know, third and fifth and, you know, lower east side, you know, at 3 a.m., you know? I don't know. I'm just using that as an example. You know? Reading a history book gonna, you know, prepare you. You know, it's not. 
especially around where I live, you know, driving around with the bumper stickers, kill your television. Really? Kill it? You want me to kill my television and you're supposed to be a hippie, you know, driving around with Save the Whales on your back of your car, but you're telling me to literally kill my television? You want me to choke it out? You know, maybe they could have made the sticker a little bit more uh, PC, you know, turn off your television or don't buy one, you know. Or maybe they could have pushed whatever their point was. But, you know, do you think anyone's ever seen that bumper sticker and been like, you know what, I am going to go home and kill my television. That's a good idea, you know. Let's go home and just kill the television set. You know, I was thinking about that the other day, too. You know, has anyone ever seen a commercial on TV or a radio commercial? or a bumper sticker, or a t-shirt, and just ran right out and just bought whatever product that was advertised, you know? Does McDonald's really need to advertise again? Does anybody forget that McDonald's exists? Do we need to know about the latest special, you know, buy three Big Macs, get two free, you know? Do we really not know? You know, do we really need to see Flow one more time with their price checking tool? Do you not know that car insurance exists? Do we have to see that one more time, you know? Or the Geico Gecko? Do you not know? Does anyone not know at this point that you can save up to 15%? I lost 40% when I called them. Fuck the saving 15%. They didn't save me shit. But is there anybody in this world at this point that doesn't know about Geico? You know, I think they can cut it out. You know? I never liked that gecko. If I saw that gecko in the street, I would probably run it over. <laughs> I really would. I would run that thing down like a squirrel. I'm sorry. That gecko annoys the hell out of me. And that Aflac duck. Give me that gecko and that duck in a room for five minutes alone. <laughs> oh, God. What other commercials are there? That just drive me crazy. That rat, rat. And that, the Geico Gecko. Did you know that you can... No, you know? And then flow, you know? <laughs> flow. <laughs> what a name. Flow. Who names their kid Flow? What's up, Flow? <laughs> you know? Yo, flow. I don't know, dude. When I think of the word flow, I... <laughs> I'm not... I don't know, dude. Alright. Let's see. We're about 58 minutes into this podcast. Um, I think this has been an absolute disaster. I was trying to follow some kind of a format. I went all over the place. Left, right, up, down. Went on so many tangents that I went to come back to some stories that I completely forgot about. I'm probably going to be embarrassed about this, but hey, I'm learning, right? Um, I enjoyed talking to you for the last uh, 59 minutes. I hope you enjoyed listening. Again, this is Views from the John podcast. I'm John. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, if you're one of my supporters or subscribers, God bless you. Stay with me. I promise uh, we'll both grow in this journey. Um, I'll be doing another podcast in a day or two. I got some uh, pretty exciting news to talk about. And I promise I'm going to come back with a little bit better format, too. And uh, one of these days, I'm going to record this podcast during the day when I can get a little bit more animated on a real microphone. Um, you know, it's 11.13 at night here where I am on a Sunday night. And, uh, you know, I do split a two-family house with somebody. So I don't like to raise my voice. But uh, I can get pretty animated or loud. But I've been doing these first three podcasts, you know, you know at night. So I got to kind of tame myself. I can't be yelling out, but uh, there's going to be plenty of yelling in the future. Believe me. Just stay tuned. Um, this trip is only going to get wilder and better, and uh, my twisted, sick personality is only going to start to uh, unheaval even more in front of your eyes. And uh, it's going to be a sick, twisted ride. And I seriously hope you stick around. But anyways, go out there, kill the work week. Friday will come. It'll be the weekend again, alright? Everybody take care. Love and support each other. And remember to laugh daily. I'm your host, John. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you again soon. Mm-hmm.